Hi there, and welcome to Money Minding Today. My name is Sam Piercy, and I am your host. This week, we're talking about death by money, and the conventional money wisdom is our topic. This is show number two of five, and you can get the previous shows and the future shows, plus the show notes, and most importantly, the follow-up discussion and activation questions for this whole series, as well as the other shows on uh, all the shows for Money Mining Today. When you visit moneymindingtoday.com, it's all there for free. You sign in with your name and email and uh, there's a bunch of ebooks and other financial tools that are focused on this process of money minding for financial grace. So let's start off with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, thank you that you have given us your truths, your principles and your instructions in the way that we should go, that we will fulfill your purposes as written in our heavenly books before time began. Thank you for your word that contains so much wisdom and your promises that you are always with us, that as we seek you, we will find you. And so as we deal with the finances of day to day, thank you that it is you who we look for and it is you who we find. It is you who gives us the desires of our heart and all of the day-to-day necessities of life. It is you who gives us the power to create wealth. And we pray these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. So moneyminingtoday.com is where everything is. And as we look at death by money, there's a bit of a history that you can uh, read about or listen to in last week's show. But we started off by looking at the situation and even how the concept for death by money came from my own dramatic financial loss and from work that I had been doing with other wealthy people as well as some at-risk street youth. So the principles and the concepts are applicable for any age and economic background. So we started off looking at the situation. This week we're going to talk about the conventional money wisdom. There's an awful lot of that when you log into my Village of Blessings, which you can access for free, and you get all of that from moneymindingtoday.com, as as well as the whole process and things that I'm talking about. We're looking at a whole paradigm in thinking and a shift in mindset. So please, I encourage you, go and, and... Dive a little bit deeper. Take a look at at some of the notes and then go to the Word. Just go to the Word and let the Holy Spirit wash over you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about this because there are some deep-rooted beliefs and thoughts around money. And it's different for a lot of us. But what we do need to see and recognize is that what we have been taught and the mindset that we subscribe to comes from the world system. It does not come from the Word of God. That doesn't mean that the two need to be complete polar opposites. It means that we have to be wise. We have to develop the knowledge. We have to come together in community. We need to bring people in that have the technical expertise for making, uh, navigating the day-to-day financial world that we live in. And we have to be able to then use the world's tools and systems to 
uh, fulfill God's plans and purposes for each of our lives. We have to be wise, and that means doing things a little bit differently, or maybe a lot a bit differently. But that starts with a seed of recognizing that, hmm, let me just think about that for a minute, taking it to the Word and letting the Holy Spirit be your guide. And it does mean being open to something new. Our conventional money wisdom is our session two of five for death by money. Next week, we're going to look at what's wrong with convention. And then we'll look at the paradigm shift. And we'll wrap up this series on how a $10 seed can transform your financial life. And uh, you get all of that for free when you go to moneyminingtoday.com. So let me, let me dive right in. And I'm going to start with a little bit of my story uh, because I have a very long history in the world of finance and I have a history from a variety of different areas and different uh, aspects of working in finance. I've also had some unique uh, people that I've worked with professionally and personally and then of course a very dramatic financial experience that I went through with my husband where it really was the Word of God that gave us our life. And it was the systems, though, that we had in place from what I had been teaching before that enabled us to navigate that. So the Word of God gave the strength and the systems enabled us to pray specifically and to make decisions and to negotiate with the various people and creditors and different things through this situation. And I am very, very, very passionate about the whole concept of systems. And I get very, very frustrated when uh, people tell me, well, it's okay, just tell me how much money I have and I'll be fine. Or when they have some sort of a an ad hoc system, they don't know how much money they spend. If you don't know how much money you spend, then you don't know how much money you need. And they've got money uh, getting paid off of a credit card or into a bank account and other bank accounts. And some money is joint between spouses and some isn't. And really, it's a, a very chaotic program that maybe worked for them, but it's not necessarily efficient. They've got insurance on this and not on that. And it just becomes this thing that is kind of nebulous and subjective. And maybe it made sense at the time, but God is not in chaos. And it, anyways, it's one of those things that I will Uh, I'm very, very passionate on. I stand on that and I know that having a good system for managing the flow of money in and out of your life can completely change your life. And I know because I have worked with, like I said, all areas of economic um, ability and uh, whether they're new or, or young and multi multi-millionaires have hired me to teach them some of these systems because at that point they recognize that how they manage their money on a day-to-day basis has the capacity to either honor or not their values and what's important to them. I started this journey though in 1987 and what happened is I had learned how to earn a good income but I didn't really know what to do with it and I got all kinds of opinions on what to do with the wealth that I had access to. I ended up buying a house when really what I liked to do was ski every weekend Um, and then during that period of time I had a, a tax bill and my accountant said oh just go buy a retirement savings plan and so I did but that winter the window broke because it was so cold the clutch in my car went the hot water tank blew up and all I wanted to do was go skiing but I thought okay well I've got some money in the bank I guess I'll just go get that and of course the bank said no 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 that money is locked in and I was like oh my goodness what is going on here so I needed to go figure it out 
I, that time, the only course I could find to help me make sense of finances was the securities course, which is taught to professionals who are going to enter the retail brokerage stocks and bonds industry. And interestingly, years later, when I started teaching the financial curriculum for financial advisors, about 80% of my students were doing the same thing that I had done years earlier trying to figure out how to make sense of the world of finances so that they could make practical decisions on their own. Now, there's a lot more we can talk about that, but officially I entered the industry in 1991 and I started in insurance, then I worked in banking, and then for a good chunk of my career, I was a retail broker, meaning I sold stocks and bonds. I was a retirement specialist and my role was to manage investments. And it, interesting, when I started in insurance, I had the belief, the mindset, that it was one of those things that you bought when you had kids and a family and debt. But what I realized later on when I was managing millions of dollars is insurance is probably one of the most powerful financial planning tools that we have because it was the wealthy people that owned it and uh, were using it to manage their estate, manage their business, to pass on their wealth. And a lot, there's just so many creative things that you can do with insurance. And yet there's this mindset that had been, uh, that, that is still taught, it is basically buy cheap insurance and then invest the difference. And really you miss so many opportunities, what I realized. And, and so I've been very keen on insurance for a long time. And when I started to understand the word of God, I also realized that insurance is a very interesting financial product because it supports community. You make a small, you make a payment, it goes into a big pool, and then if, if a predetermined risk happens, then that pool of money pays to the person who has now experienced that risk. Um, and there's a lot of other ring things, but basically community. There's some tax shelter. There's lots of tax opportunities. There's lots of savings opportunities, and people go, well, why would I do that? And that's because of the way we have been taught. So we can, I can share more uh, on... An, an upcoming show or you can ask questions if you go to the website inside the village of blessings which is my online members area you can also interact and comment on some of these things it's unconventional but our conventional mindset it tends to not want to look at some of these things we don't like to look at at wills and we don't like to look at the whole concept that one day we are going to die um, we tend to do it when we think well I've got when I've got money then I'll deal with it and that's not the case the time to deal with it is now especially when you're young and so if you are a young person I encourage you to, to think about the opportunities that you have to own an as a financial asset that will grow with you and, and not something that you're putting into a retirement savings plan, but a piece of that that will self-complete if a predetermined risk, you know, such as life insurance happens, or if you are um, a parent of an older, or of um of children just to consider some of these things to ask some different questions learn how to ask some different questions and recognize the beliefs that you have and that's not to say that they're all bad and they're all wrong and that you need to go and completely change anything or that you need to to bring guilt and condemnation or judgment into the picture oh heavens no I mean we have enough of that as it is the whole concept of 
of money minding towards financial grace and financial grace is where you've got the Lord right in the middle of your financial situation where you find him and you seek him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, um, that it's just being aware being aware of how we just carry on on a day-to-day basis, how our conventional interaction with money happens. Is it stressful? Is your wallet a nice place to visit? Um, do you just kind of haphazardly pull money out here, there, and everywhere? What do you do? We've talked about this on a previous show. What do you do with your receipts? What do you do with your statements? Where do you track things? Is there an orderly and harmonious way that your finances are handled? In 1 Corinthians fourteen forty comes to mind everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way systems 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 pre-plan your decision making and that's not complicated a lot of times people will try to say well that's kind of sort of financial forecasting that sort of stuff that's advanced financial planning and we've talked about this before it's simple math addition and subtraction but it's thinking on a, a where you consider time we don't want to think in terms of a silo we don't want to think in terms of running out we want to think in terms of increase God is a God of increase so my journey with uh, what I now call financial grace it started with money minding which is the systematic process of implementing systems and developing an orderly and harmonious process and of making um, decisions so that the flavor of the month or the latest thing or the the investment of a lifetime could get put into perspective to minimize risk and to build a good solid foundation. That really started in 1997. At that time, I was in the retail brokerage industry. One of my wealthy clients was so consumed with financial uncertainty that it really caused me to go looking for how I could help him feel confident with his money. And I said to somebody just recently, I said, if I knew then what I know now, I would have been able to help him in a completely different way. But that started me on this journey. And I did end up seeing some themes. People who had previously not had a lot of money and then they received a big inheritance. Just there was definitely a mindset around money. I remember my own journey. I had learned how to earn a good income in my early 20s, and I was used to receiving, you know, 12, 17, 25, you know, whatever thousand dollar paychecks for somebody in my early 20s. That was a lot of money. But I very clearly remember that I didn't want anybody to know how much money I had. And of course, that's something that I've had to deal with because it's the mindset of money. If you don't believe that you're worthy of it, then you're not going to receive it. Or if you don't believe that you can have wealth, then you're not going to to go after it. You're not going to take that to the Lord and say, oh, Lord, you know what? That really speaks to me. I'd really like to... to um, step into that. I'd really like to have that. I'd really like to experience that. I'd really like to be able to contribute to that cause. But if we don't believe that we're worthy of financial well-being, of financial riches, of overflow, then we can um, unintentionally sabotage what we'll even think and what we'll even step into, what we'll even contemplate, who we'll even talk to. Those kinds of things are so, so critical. I remember uh, being jealous of my nanny, for example, because she was the one that was spending all the time with our daughter. At first, I tried to convince myself that I was doing so well because we could afford a nanny, but, you know, none of that... (laughs) 
none of that really ultimately worked. I was trying to fool myself into thinking that we were doing the right things for our daughter when really it was me that wanted to be the mom. But this whole process, it led to business development so that I could somehow come up with some business systems. That business development led me to personal development, which actually led into New Age. But ultimately, that New Age thinking brought me to the Bible. And it was the Word of God that just became alive and so alive. And so I'm always going to be saying, take it to the Word. What does the Word say? Let the Word speak to you and take the Word in the full context. Don't take just a little snippet of it. You've got to take all of it, all of it. And then ask the Lord, what are you saying to me personally in this passage? How are you speaking to me? What are you saying to me? Because the Word of God is alive and it is capable to give us power it is that there's so much wisdom that we get and it's applicable for each one of us individually oh. anyways after accepting Jesus um, my, both my husband and I did at the same time it was quite interesting because I didn't really get any direct biblical financial teaching I learned about tithing, but I, I it really came from a religious perspective and it seemed to invoke this kind of condemnation. Nobody told us about the three other types of biblical giving, um, offerings, alms, and seeds. And you can go and review previous Money Mining Today where that was covered. I, I would say I probably got messed up because I was in the world of money. I was in the Word of God, but the two didn't seem to jive. Um, I had some, some key life verses that I I, um, I really thought spoke about prosperity, biblical prosperity, but I didn't seem to see how that connected and how does how did that really play out? Because there was a lot of other stuff like uh, um, you can't serve both God and money, and of course the one that we all like to talk about is that money is the root of all evil. But it's you know the love of money is the root of all evil, and there was a lot of stuff that just didn't make sense. And so you know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not cause you harm, plans to give you hope and a future. Or Ephesians three twenty, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Or Deuteronomy 8.18, remember the Lord your God for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. To produce wealth. What does that look like? Does it mean going to work, getting a paycheck and taking whatever is left over and putting it on deposit and getting a little bit of interest with it? Well, sure, that's part of it. We learn about that in the parable of the talents and we'll talk about that in the upcoming show on death by money. But these are powerful, powerful promises and they're just a teeny weeny little representation of God's promises for blessing and prosperity, including financial prosperity, financial blessings. Yes, spiritual blessings, but it's the spirit that creates the natural, not the other way around. We don't become more spiritual when we have more money and just like we we don't necessarily have more money when we become more spiritual. There's a connection that needs to happen. And I've said this many, many times, and I'll continue to say it. This doesn't mean that we all have to go out and aspire to be a millionaire because each of us are given unique opportunities, unique desires, unique experiences, unique 
callings and purposes that God has pre-planned for our life. And he gives us glimpses and he will direct us in the way that we should go. I mean, we look at Matthew six nineteen, and do not store up your, for yourselves treasures on earth where the moss and the vermin destroy and where thieves will break in and steal. And a similar one in Luke 12 that we'll look at next week with the uh, parable of the rich fool. You know, Matthew 21 clearly tells us that where our treasure is, there your heart is also. But we also know that as we seek God, all these things will be added to us and that the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want Psalm 23. So want, not need. God knows what we need. But when you stop and think about it, that's pretty interesting. Our conventional wisdom somehow has got us feeling guilty or judging or unbelieving about how to deal with finances. And I I know that there are people that think, well, I'm just going to talk about some sort of a name it and claim it. And, you know, if you believe it, then it's just going to happen. And no, there's a connection. We have to do something and we have to be wise. Where's our treasure? Are we looking around and judging stuff, our own stuff and other people's stuff? Are we judging our lifestyle and other people's lifestyles? Are we making a determination about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, what's biblical and what's not biblical? You know, all of these things happen in a split second, but they reside in our heart. God loves each of us equally, and it's not our job to justify the lack and the poverty that we see around us. The Bible is full of wealthy people. Abraham, what about Solomon, the richest man who ever lived? David, Joseph, Jesus. Jesus wasn't broke. Yes, the Bible says that he became poor so that in his poverty we could become rich. But what kind of rich and what kind of poverty? He was living in heaven where the streets were paved with gold and he came down to earth. He didn't have a lot of material possessions, but that was his ministry. That was his calling. There were people around him that did have earthly treasures. There was the the women on his um, ministry team. And I mean, obviously they had money somewhere because because uh, Judas was able to commit fraud and steal from the ministry. I mean, just saying that obviously spiritually rich is important, and it's through those spiritual riches that we have his power at work within us to get the wealth that's necessary for him to confirm his covenant with all of God's people, that we can come into the glory of God. And that's Ephesians 3.19. But he has to be first in our life and in our heart, our whole body and soul. So here's where I got stuck, and I know where so many people do, is that word, how. How, Lord, how do we do that when the bills need to be paid? How do we rest? How do we come to you um, with our burdens and lay them down and just rest in Matthew eleven twenty eight? How? This was my mantra for so long. You know, Proverbs 22, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. I was beating myself up. Well, what's wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me that I'm struggling, that that all of this loss has happened, all of this stress, all of this, this, I don't know, chaos around. But that's not the Lord. The word, the world teaches us 
that we are to save, that we are to have money, that we are to have a certain type of car and a certain type of house and a certain type of job and we're to do this, that and the other thing. We're to dress a certain way and in some cases maybe we're supposed to wear a certain type of clothes with a certain kind of label. The Bible teaches us to give. Well, how do you give when the bills need to be paid? Well, that's the condition of our heart, isn't it? Do we trust him to let go? And I can tell you that that was my struggle for many, many, many years. And I know it is many, many other people's. I get a lot of people justifying giving. Well, I just, you know, I can't, 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 can't. Well, maybe we don't know any different. And there are some systems that we can put in place in order to facilitate that process so that when the offering plate is passed, for example, that's not when you sit there and you do a mental calculation and you <gasps> you gasp because you're not really sure what kind of a check to write or how much to put in or you just kind of reach for your wallet. I mean we're very clearly taught in 1 Corinthians to gather up the offering so that when the ministers of the gospel came around that then the money was available. Well that's part of having a system, an orderly and harmonious system. Conventional wisdom doesn't teach us to plan like that and it doesn't teach us how to to use a a, a current account or a, a current bank account and how to to uh, diversify and to set up these systems so that it becomes automatic so that it's not on our mind and our minds don't have to to stress and fret and wonder and and again I'm not talking about just not having enough or barely having enough money I see this on people that have multiple millions of dollars and it might not just add a couple zeros to the same thing the mindset the stress is still exactly the same see the world teaches us to have a budget as a scarce resource. The Bible teaches us to plant seeds to produce an increasing and overflow. The world teaches us to borrow and to leverage using credit. The Bible teaches us to lend to many nations and to owe no one anything but love. The world says spend less than you earn because that sounds good, but it puts the emphasis on money. There's a big difference between spend less than you earn and earn more than you spend, which puts the emphasis on God. They both require balance and systems to know which financial tools to use and how to use them and when to use them and for who to use them. When you think about saving, what happens is because there's no um, good solid financial literacy foundation, most people will end up looking at simple math. So rates of um, interest on credit and uh, rate of return on investment are key things that people are always asked. Well, what are you going to get? What's the rate of return? Meaning, what's this going to accumulate to in my life? And yet then what happens is they'll go with that sort of fear-based thing and they'll always look at the rate on a mortgage, for example, and they'll go with the fixed rate mortgage because they're told that interest rates are going to go up and you better lock in. And sometimes it does make sense, but the majority of time they missed the flexibility and if you're locking in for a five-year period you don't know what interest rates are going to be doing five years and you don't necessarily know what's going to happen with your life during that five-year period. Daily interest is an extremely powerful lending tool that gives you the most flexibility. They don't look at insurance like I talked about earlier on as a key core financial uh, foundational tool that will self-complete 
when a predetermined risk happens. It's a fantastic tool for young people, especially because it's really, really cheap at that point. But it's the people who are older and have a lot of wealth where it becomes so valuable. But it's an asset, like a piece of real estate, if you're buying a whole life insurance policy, for example. There is so much flexibility and so much creativity that can happen when you own that asset, when you own that financial tool, you reduce the amount of of money that you're putting into the policy, you're reducing the impact that it has to, so you're not reducing the amount of money that you're putting into the policy, you're reducing the impact that your money has to create um, debt instruments which enslave all of us. It's all part of a system though and it requires thinking. Right? We want to think about financial leveraging in terms of combining things and, and being wise and you think well kids don't need insurance. No, but you know what? The parents do. And not only that, the world in the world today, there are a lot more uh, various kinds of illnesses and different things which are, are causing people to be rated, which means they'd have to pay more for insurance or being declined altogether. And none of that is good for anybody. So I encourage you to uh, listen to this again, to go and get the notes from moneymindingtoday.com. They're all in my village of blessings and they're all there for free. Do the discussion questions. It's, um, it's not do-it-yourself money. It's a community effort and we need the professionals. We need to start asking some different questions and to look at these things from a different perspective. And so Lord, Ah, oh, let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you have uh, you've given us a vision. You've given us systems. You've given us principles and strategies. You've given us stories of um, of good and evil and so many people over so many thousands of years that we can come to you and we can those stories and those words they have so much uh, wisdom and they will speak to each of us. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to live with just what we see, but thank you that you are a God who spoke that which was not as though it were, and you give us that model that we may come to you, that we may follow you, that as we seek you, we will find you. And we pray these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you. It's moneymindingtoday.com. Have a terrific week, and God bless.